With my work as a presenter with the Jewish Christian Muslim Association, JCMA, I often find myself going into Catholic primary and secondary schools. And one of the first questions I ask them is, hands up, hands up if you knew that women could be priests. Now generally, one or two, sometimes even three hands will be raised. And so then I say, hands up if you're the religious instruction teacher. And then I go on to talk very briefly to the children about the Reformation. The Reformation to reform, to restore, to go back to the original, to make as new. Here I stand, I can do no other, here I stand. This year marks the 500th anniversary of Martin Luther's famous 95 Thesis, which helped spark the founding of the Reformation and the division of Christianity into Protestantism and Catholicism. These 95 Theses critique the church's sale of indulgences, which Luther regarded as a form of corruption. By Luther's time, indulgences had evolved into payments, which were said to reduce punishment for sins. Now, Luther believed that such practices only interfered with genuine repentance and discouraged people from giving to the poor. The two central beliefs of the treatises were that the Bible is the central religious authority and that humans may reach salvation only by their faith and not by their deeds. And the other of Luther's most important theological contributions was the idea of the priesthood of all believers which implied that clerics possess no more dignity than ordinary people. How's about that? You and me and all of us together, lay, ordained, set apart or not, all of us have exactly the same access to the divine. We don't need a priest or a ritual or an icon or a saint or a relic in order to be at one with God. All we need, according to Luther anyway, is the gospel. All we need at least for those of us who feel called into walking on the way with Jesus and meeting God within this story, is that burning power of the Holy Spirit pulsing like a drumbeat beating within our blood and our bones and our breath. Now this is all very well, but the question remains, how, how exactly are we meant to achieve this beat? And how are we meant to access this spirit? And how are we to experience God? rather than just read about the holy and, and talk about it and long for it. And, and did the Reformation throw the proverbial baby out with the bathwater? And have we stripped our worship of all the rituals and the spiritual practices and the tools which can help us as spirit in flesh to be present to the grace which is all around us? And have we lost our calling to stand with Jesus as a mystic, a mystic being one for whom God is an experiential reality, not just a moral code, not just words on a page? Because, as the poet Mary Oliver would say, if God exists, he isn't just churches and mathematics. He is the forest, he is the desert, he's the ice caps that are dying, he's the ghetto and the Museum of Fine Arts. He's Van Gogh and Allen Ginsberg and Joan of Arc. He's the merry, desperate hands, cleaning and preparing their weapons. He's every one of us, potentially. The leaf of grass, the genius, the politician, the poet. And if this is true, isn't this something very important? Yes, it could be that I am a tiny piece of God and each of you too, or at least of the intention of the hope close as breath.
Progressive theologian Marcus Borg once wrote that Jesus was and is spirit person, healer, wisdom teacher, social prophet, movement founder, and that as spirit person, we meet him in our own hearts. And as spirit person, we know that he was someone who saw the world as an epiphany in which the eternal was constantly breaking through. I caught this morning, morning's minion, kingdom of daylight's dolphin, dappled dawn drawn falcon in his, riding of the rolling level underneath him, steady air and striding. Luther's attitude to the mystical was, like his attitude to many things, ambiguous. He clearly preached that it is only through the two sacraments of baptism and Eucharist that we come into mystical union with the living God, but he was also a man who hurled the inkwell at the devil, was converted in a storm, and whose heart was broken when he went to Rome and saw priests mocking the peasants as they delivered communion. And Luther, in this moment of protest 500 years ago, in this moment of nailing his heart to his sleeve and his words to the wall, was saying to the Roman Catholic citadel of power, I protest. I protest that you have put so much between the people and their God. I protest that you have claimed to own the divine. I protest. And so here we are, the protesting churches, born of this long lineage of standing up and saying no. No to oppressive power and no to religious abuse and no to a God locked up behind a clerical wall. This week, a group of UCA ministers wrote a letter to The Age. Dear Editor, in recent weeks, we have witnessed the Anglican Diocese of Sydney donate $1 million of their funds to support the No Same Sex Cam Marriage Campaign. We have also witnessed the Catholic Archbishop of Sydney calling on Catholics to vote no in the postal survey. It is our view that both these actions are countenancing the continuation of oppression against LGBTI people in Australia. As ministers of the Uniting Church in Australia, a Christian denomination that since 2003 officially welcomes gay people into full participation of the church's life, we are supporting a yes vote in the postal survey. However, we are deeply saddened that the Uniting Church's current leadership have chosen to remain silent on the question posed in the current postal survey whether all Australians, irrespective of their sexuality, should be given the right to marry under Australian law. We believe, as Christians, we are to publicly declare that all people are to be treated with justice and equity. We believe to remain silent in the present same-sex marriage campaign is to fall into the ranks, is to fall into the ranks of those Christians who the late Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. said were by their silence in the face of oppression, complicit, complicit in such societal oppression. And in a few weeks time, I will be heading up to the site of the blockade of the proposed Adani coal mine. I'll be going there to pray with a rabbi and a Buddhist priest and a nun. I'll be calling on our government to reform its non-existent environmental policy. So here we stand, your clergy protesting still. Here we stand with you because we can do no other.